folks it's scaring is sharing howdy partners we're here to share some scares with each other and you that's right so grab (laughs) your yeah grab your lasso and saddle up (laughs) get your sarsaparilla and pull up to the bar because we have some stories to tell you (laughs) no we don't tell stories here we do share scares though (laughs) we we speak only in truth facts (laughs) that's you you are jeremy the original sasquatch slim rusk and you are brandy joe the flame and scream queen plan back that's right jeremy how are you how's your mush covid brain it's doing better uh i probably still sound congested because now it's just turned into a whole congestion thing like that's the main symptom i'm feeling so but improving improving and no loss of taste or smell uh not significant i would say my sense of taste is a little off i haven't lost it i can still taste things but stuff tastes different than you know i'm expecting so i think that's a little messed up but now, have you found your taste in, like, quality of movies has changed? <laughs> has COVID affected that? Like, all of a sudden, do you have you thought yeah. of The Fury as, like, Brian De Palma's masterpiece or anything in the last couple of days? Yeah, all of a sudden. And, and then I, I really want to just watch rom-coms. Like, that's, like, the best. <laughs> no, that's, oh, that seems to be intact. I still love uh, horror movies, and I still love crap. So I know we talk scary movies, but you just mentioned you don't like rom-coms. Like, is there one like a rom-com you actually enjoy? There probably is. Like, I I just think uh, the stuff my wife likes to watch when it's like rom-coms and it's like, it's got Ryan Reynolds and, you know. What's that one? Sandra it's like, Bullock. Yeah, Sandra Bullock. Like it's stuff like the proposal and stuff like yeah. that. That's what comes to mind for me. And I'm like, I'm very not invested in those kinds of movies. Not that they're bad movies. It's just not for me. But I don't know. Maybe some of the '80s stuff. Like I'm sure some of the John Cusack's work from back then counts as a rom com, right? Oh yeah. So, yeah. yeah. I, I tend to like that kind of stuff. I was in an intern event yesterday because I work at Ford and I'm in charge of all their events. And so we were doing this this game called Social Shuffle. Mm. And like you go into breakout rooms and you have like a list of topics to talk about just to get to know people better. And one of them was, which do you prefer, comedies or dramas? And like as one of the hosts, I was like popping around a different room. So like I came into the room as they were like mid-discussion. And they were like, oh, hey, Brandy Joe, what do you prefer, comedies or dramas? And I said, horror movies, neither of them. <laughs> <laughs> and they were all like, what? And then I was like, yeah, no, oh my God, horror movies all day, every day. Yep. And then and then this one girl was like, what's your favorite? And I was like, oh my God, thank you for asking. And of course, <laughs> my answer was The Final Girls, which I always tell people like who aren't into scary movies. I'm like, this is the scary movie for you because yeah. it, it covers all the bases. Like it's funny and mm-hmm. I cry every time. So it's definitely like touching and sweet. Like it's it's just all the things, which is why I love it so much that it can touch on all levels. Because Cabin in the Woods is great and it does some similar things, mm-hmm. but it doesn't 
hit me on an emotional level. I do love the end and the choices that are made and the final moments of the movie, which I find very original. I mean, the whole movie is original, but I find that the ending is very unexpected, the way that the characters, like the ultimate decision they make. And Mm -hmm. I loved that so much, but it still does not put it above the final girls for me. And I may be like one of the only people in the world that would choose the final girls to live and Cabin in the Woods to die. Yeah, it's a tough call. I do like both of them. Uh, and also look at you being so nice and giving people like a uh, mostly accessible horror movie for like ev- everybody. Whereas I'd be like, uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre all day or, you know, something more hardcore where people are like, whoa. But so. then we did have a discussion about it because they're like, wait, 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 like all scary movies like ghosts. And I was like, yes. They're like, what about gore? And I'm like, yes. And they're like, what about slashers? I'm like, yes. Or we're like, what about true crime? Like they just yeah. kept asking about it. And I'm like, yes, yes, yes. All of them. <laughs> yes. Manja, manja. I want all of them. <laughs> also, Jeremy, it is Pride Month. So, mm-hmm. and I was like, well, what can I talk about in regards to that? Um, I worked last night, I worked this Pride prom event at the LGBTQ plus community center that our theater's in, Affirmations. Mm-hmm. And it was for like LGBTQ teens. And there were probably like 60 of them there. And it was like the sweetest fucking thing in the world. They had like mm-hmm. a little like walk-off, like a runway walk-off. But it made me just like think about that upcoming movie, Them. That's what it's called, right? With like Kevin Bacon and it's at like a conversion camp. Oh, I don't. Oh, you don't know about this? I don't. That sounds familiar. Yeah, I think we've touched on it. Yeah, yeah. It said that sounds like a good setting for a horror movie. It's called They Them, which actually oh, makes sense. Like yeah. given like, you know, the pronouns, which was a funny thing last night. I overheard some teens talking and one teen said to another, what are your pronouns? And that teen said, I don't care. <laughs> I'm like, that's where we're going in life, you know? Yeah, yeah. Like, like I, I, I mean, I. I hope that is where we are going. And I think, you know, eventually as generations get older and take over the world, mm-hmm. the gender will be so much less of a of a thing um, that is a, a focus on who we are and how we, you know, identify each other and, yeah. and ourselves. Like, I just, I love that fluidity that is coming with the younger generation. Yes. But I really hope They Them does for sexuality in a way like what Get Out did for race. Like, I hope it is a really great social commentary and what is it called? Social horror. Yeah. It's like sort of that that mm-hmm. newish sort of trend, um, which I, I love so much. I love horror with a message. Yes. And and so I hope it's successful in what it does. And also Anna Chlumsky is in it, who's in My Girl, which I went to as on a date as a child. As mm-hmm. a child. I was like 12. But um, I love her. I've never watched um, Veep, but I know she's on that as well. Mm-hmm. So I'm really excited. And I, I think given the state of the world and the title. Like, I, I think that it, it will, I, I have faith that it will be good and I'm hoping it will be. Here's hoping. <laughs> That's what I have in regards to pride, but pride, okay. pride, pride, happy pride, yeah, pride, happy pride. Uh, so we have some telegrams this week. I think people heard our calls. We do. We're like, they, yes, yeah, we're, we're getting lonely guys. We needed, <laughs> we needed something to read. So. And we have a first time writer. Long-time listener. And why don't you kick us off with that one? I will from our friend, Mandy. Mandy! Uh, And the subject line is a terror-ish gram. Uh, (laughs) And Mandy writes, Hello, friends. Just wanted to quickly let you know, when I wear my shirt, people do ask me about it. So, Jeremy, they are wondering when they look at you. (laughs) Yes! 
Also, a question for Jeremy. On the Conjuring episode, you had mentioned Hans Holzer. I ended up getting his daughter's book, Growing Up Haunted. My question is, do you have a favorite or two of Holzer's huge body of work that I should read first? Uh, Brandy Joe, I love you. That's all I've got for you in the moment. Thanks. Best, Mandy. Oh my God, Mandy, I love you too. I love Mandy so much. I get to hang out with her tomorrow. We're going to a play together. Oh, that's awesome. Mandy's wonderful. <sighs> she is just such a great spirit, such an inspiration. And I am just so appreciative that she listens to our podcast. That may, It means the world to me, I gotta say. Yeah, it, she... I, I don't even know how much I'm allowed to say, but I didn't sign any non-disclosure agreements, so I'm going to talk <laughs> about it. But uh, my wife uh, and Mandy worked on a thing together that uh, uh, another mutual friend of everybody, John Davidson, mm. uh, wrote and directed. So I understand it'll be out at some point, and I have uh, secured John as because uh, it's horror adjacent. Nice. Uh, so I have gotten John to, you know... Uh, handshake agreement i'm like when this comes out i want you to uh come on the show and talk yes. to us possibly oh about it love so john that would be a lot of fun uh but anyway i digress uh hans holzer let me take a look uh i have read bits of his stuff mandy here or there um uh, for those that don't remember uh hans holzer in, in that conjuring episode because he popped up in the movie right is that why we talked about him wasn't he Honestly, one of the guys I didn't remember when he's, it came he's, up. he's a german um he was a austrian sorry austrian uh oh yeah yep, yep, yep. paranormal investigator yes uh he's a bit of a wild character like if you see the actual like interviews with the actual dude because he like investigated amityville as well and like all this stuff so i'm really more aware of him just as a personality um because uh, let me look real quick because i know i've read at least a little bit of his work i had this one book by him and i cannot remember the name of it sorry mandy uh but I just remember it was wild because it was like one of those paranormal books that was written as if everything was just fact. Like, you know, he's not even doing the work of trying to convince you the paranormal is real, like a, like a good book would. It was just like, mm -hmm. we don't go surreal. Uh, and let me make all these wild claims about what they can do and like <laughs> where they are. And it was really more one of those. So it felt really pulpy and kind of like, all right, he's just expecting that you are going to believe every wild claim he's laying out in this book with no sources. No, you know, it's just him like riffing. So I wish I could remember the name of it, but I found it, uh, whether you believe or not, I thought it was like wildly amusing to <laughs> read uh, a book like that. Yeah, I, I'm not going to say much either because I don't know how much I can say, but I know Mandy is working on a very cool project um, mm. that she's sort of spearheading herself that um, I'm excited to hear more about. So, Mandy, oh, keep very up cool. the work. Well, sorry, Mandy. I wish I could give you an actual Hans Holzer recommendation, but uh, I'm not going to... I'm putting a pin in this. I'm going to keep looking until I can figure out what the hell book it was. So. Maybe in part two, you'll know. Yeah, maybe in part two, I'll have it figured out. All right, well, I have a telegram from our dear teacher, Drew. 
Ah, Teacher Drew. Who writes, hello, my friends. Sorry for the radio silence. Life has been challenging recently, and even though I haven't written, I have still been listening. In fact, your podcast has been therapeutic for me, so thanks for that. And thanks for episode 82. My favorite De Palma film is easily, and by far, Body Double. I think because of the cinematography and the music, but also the protagonist. He resonates with me. I love that he conquered his childhood fear slash trauma and came out the better for it. I was happy that you both liked it as well. I think it is a classic, underappreciated film. In other news, I have yet to see the new season of Stranger Things, mostly because I have been distracted by Obi-Wan Kenobi. Till next time, stay healthy, stay happy, stay you. Love to you both, Teacher Drew in Phoenix. And can we not talk about Obi-Wan, please? <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> I, I will. I, I just want to say that I watched the first episode and I'm in. So I like it. Great. That's all I need to know. That's Thank all you, you need to know. And I finished up. I, we finished up Stranger Things. The, okay. The and how did you feel there? Oh, my God. What a cliffhanger. I love that. Yeah. And that, so. You don't have to wait long at all. Nope. Just a couple months. And I figured out the book. It was it's called Ghost Hunter. Oh, I mean, I believe that's it. Hans Holder, Hans Holzer, true authenticated accounts of experiences with living ghosts. So uh, I remember it being pretty wild when I read it. So, okay. Yep. Uh, so teacher drew and also I think teacher drew had written in before about De Palma when we did blowout and mentioned body double then so body doubles just sort of been in the zeitgeist it's, of our minds that's maybe not the right yeah. term, but I'm using it um, and, and <laughs> our so, zeitgeist of our so I podcast. think teacher drew pant planted the seeds yeah so and then we didn't mention that during it because I you know time goes by I forget yeah I think he but, incepted us he accepted us? Incepted us. Oh, incepted. I like, like inception. That. He planted oh, yeah. it in our brains. So in yeah. our, our levels of dreams, it came out and then we now, did it. Did you ever see the cell with Jennifer Lopez? I don't know why what you said just brought that to my mind. Well, because they're in a mind. They're in a dreamscape. Yeah, yeah uh, dreamscape. Lo- long time ago when I was a teenager and remember it being like, this movie's so fucked up. And I'm sure if I watched it now, it'd, it'd be pretty tame because yeah. I hadn't seen that many fucked up movies yet. But I just remember seeing Jennifer Lopez as sort of this interesting prince at one yeah. point and yeah. then i also remember the horse being cut in half and then like separated not yeah. in half yeah. in pieces yes yep and isn't there a similar thing in 13 ghosts where someone gets <clears throat> sliced and sort yes. of separated a guy gets bisected by like this big glass <clears throat> panel and then oh, okay the one, just like the, leprechaun returns yeah, yeah both halves slide in different direct at different okay. speeds so it's cool i like that 13 ghosts i know like everybody hates it uh like whenever i I, I feel yeah. like there was a move to like reclaim it, but it no. wasn't a real one. Not like Halloween three. And it is not like a masterpiece by any means or like a forgotten classic. Uh, I just have a lot of nostalgia for it. Cause it's got, you know, I love Matthew Lillard and he really like makes that movie and it's got some cool creatures, but other than yeah. that, I, it's pretty mediocre other than that, but I just love it for nostalgia. Yeah. No. How is the OG? The OG real cheesy. Yeah. Um, probably. I imagine most people that thought the remake was like crappy, though, might prefer the original because it's a little more uh, cheeky. It's like they took it and decided, you know, what they were doing for a minute with remakes, which was like, we'll take like a cheesy old movie, but we need to try and make it hardcore and modern. Because, uh, yeah, the original is more of like, a, I'd say it's like a family movie. It's more aimed at all ages. So, yeah, it's a lot, a lot cheekier and a little more fun. Okay. 
But teacher Drew, thank you so much for writing and know that you can always take a break and then we're always here for you. We love yeah. our listeners and we'll do anything for them, okay? Yes. And I mean anything. And I'm just glad he was able to write back, you know, that life yeah. got to a place where he had the time on my husband's podcast, Three Funny Ladies, which is fantastic. You should check it out. They had a list like they don't get writers in as often as we do but they have a lot more listeners it's so it's such an odd like yeah. like not a quandary but um it's an interesting position mm-hmm. they get a lot more listeners but l- far less writers but they had this person who all of a sudden started writing them this guy named matt from canada and he was writing like all the time and like these books of emails i mean they had to edit the emails because they were so long it would take like 10 to 15 minutes to read them <laughs> like yeah. they were long long and he would like would write in every week and just have these like ideas for them and he really wanted this shelly long versus kirsty alley like smackdown episode uh-huh. and they both like they don't like either of them but they finally like said okay and they said okay we're gonna do it and they did it and ever since they did it he's not written in at all it's been like a month or two months and like he was writing like hardcore and then they like give him his grand wish and he's just gone and they're like do we have his number is he okay what's going on (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I guess that's all he wanted, maybe. That's what it was they like, discussed. Like, is this all he wanted, or was he murdered? Was he like, I just want a podcast episode <laughs> of this specific thing I want. And then somebody did it, and he's just like, okay, don't need to listen to anything anymore. Yeah, apparently. That's why we appreciate you guys. We know we have smaller <laughs> listener numbers, but we have dedicated listeners. And I know that... that particular Alex Harboob has suggested we do certain things and like like I said we love to give our listeners what they want so we will definitely work towards that as well but if that happens and when it happens I should say Alex don't abandon us please yeah, do not abandon us we would we would actually be picking your brain for more ideas and if you do abandon us just give us a you know a quick two-liner message hey guys you said this I don't like it I'm out or, hey, guys, I'm going to Peru, and I won't have internet access. I don't know. Whatever. Just just give us a heads up, because we care about you. Yeah, we care about you, you constant listeners. So, <laughs> You little maniacs. Yes. Ah, we haven't said that in forever. That was our you brand. You say that like, every time. Little maniacs. Yeah, I know. I do like it. Yeah, little maniacs. Those are our fans. Yeah, we love you. <laughs> now... I know we just saw each other a couple of days ago, but I know you've been sick. So yeah. have you watched anything? <clears throat> Do you have any horror news? Uh, no, no horror news uh, is clicking right now. But I did watch, I did want to bring up, because of all this De Palma talk, because we can't get away from Brian De Palma right now. Uh, I did rewatch The Untouchables, is Prohibition uh, era, you know, gangster epic. Uh, I haven't seen it since I was younger probably like a teenager it was one of my dad's favorite movies so he would watch it like every time it was on who's Uh, in it are there any fun females no (laughs) it's a very man heavy (laughs) movie rewatching it i was like oh yeah there's just the wives of a couple of the characters but it's mostly you know you're watching robert de niro ham it up as al or uh, al capone um and, you know, Kevin Costner is Elliot Ness, the famous, you know, lawman that helped bring in Al Capone. Uh, Andy Garcia's in there, young Andy Garcia, uh, Sean Connery. Uh, but it, it, it's, um, I remembered it being like a very different movie than from this rewatch where I'm like, okay, I'm, it's got like a lot of great action pieces, like set pieces uh, of shootouts and things like that. But 
the sto- story was way cornier than I remembered it being where it, it, it felt less like what you normally with gangster movies, things live in a gray area, you know, where you're kind of rooting for the gangster sometimes and the cops aren't necessarily such good guys either. So everything is kind of like, you know, like a film noir. Everybody's like an anti-hero, but this movie was very distinctly like Elliot Ness and his team, the untouchables are like John Wayne, like Western good guys where they're just, okay. they're perfect, you know, and they have all their hero moments and you're supposed to be like, fuck yeah, good guys. And then Al Capone is done as such an arch, like, villain in it that you're like yeah I, I didn't remember it being so ham ham fisted about good guys bad guys and then they stop the bad guys that feel that felt a really like out of De Palma's usual kind of you know how he does things which is tends to be a little more gray but it does have De Palma moments like some of the violence and action in there um, there's, a, there's a supporting villain that's like a hitman for the mob that feels very much like John Lithgow in Blowout or, uh, you know, any De Palma, like bad guy creep that's out there killing people. Like he's super creepy and over the top. So, but other than that, I was just kind of like, my rating on Letterboxd is based mostly on nostalgia because I just have fond memories of watching it with my dad. Uh, But in general, I was like, okay, this one's not as good as I remembered it in my brain so you know how i feel about like gangster movies but the more you talk about this movie like the more i don't want to see it (laughs) yeah so you're you're, i think you're probably good to skip this one i think it's i'm gonna i think it's definitely at best middle of the pack for de palma's movies so okay yep well thank you de palma that's really it i tried to watch beware children at play that trauma film i told you about yeah and I, I don't even know what was happening. It was just so weird. And was dumb. it was it too low budget? Because some no, I mean it is. I just it was just bad. Yeah, and I, maybe I just wasn't in the mood for that. Yeah, trauma. You you kind of take a risk. I find when you step outside of their stuff that's done directly by like Lloyd Kaufman uh, and like the actual like team at trauma itself and then you, you watch some of the stuff they just distribute uh yeah. and some of it is really really shaky so it's also known as goblins caution kids are playing or <laughs> warning children and attention I, I don't know the title goes on oh and that reminds me so yesterday in this intern event which is run by a different company mm-hmm. they had trivia at the beginning and someone said and and one of the the main hosts like from this company said all right <laughs> Um, which children's author wrote the Gremlins movie? Oh, uh, the Gremlins movie. Like wrote Gremlins. Gremlins. Yeah, it's, it was vaguely, well, okay, this is weird. This is weird because Gremlins is actually written by Chris Columbus, but, um, it, it was based on something by Roald Dahl, I think. Is it based on that though? Okay. See, I yeah. thought she was just wrong, but I didn't want to like challenge her in the middle of like a hundred interns. Yeah, I, I think it's not technically correct because it's like I don't think it, I don't even think they bought the rights to whatever the thing was. I think he said like he was inspired by reading Roald Dahl's like story, but it, it's like I don't. Okay, think- well then I don't totally fault her. I just like pulled it up. I'm like that is not at all what Gremlins is. Like just looking at like the cover and yes. the brief description. Yep, but it is loosely inspired by i mean if it's called gremlins and that's called gremlins then i feel like that's kind of 
Yeah, everything I've read is it's it's inspired by, but I don't think they like literally had to like buy rights or anything. Yeah, I don't like think that. when you're watching it, it's like based yeah. on Roll Dolls. No, it doesn't even say that. It was just yeah, I think Chris Columbus was like, yeah, I I, I read that story and then came up with this idea. Uh, you think and you made change up, the name then? Made up if my it's own. not at well, all like well, Gremlin. Gremlin is like an old word, I think. So I don't think you have to necessarily change that because it's kind of like goblin. I know. Sure. But like, I guess if if you're going to say you were somewhat inspired by it, it just feels. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. know. It was the 80s. They didn't care as much about (laughs) copyright law. So. Well, do you have anything else to share with us? Uh, That's really it. I wish I had some more news or something, but I haven't seen anything to exciting of note come up lately me either we're in the summer we're entering the summer like spot of less horror movie stuff going on and mostly just the summer blockbusters now yes speaking of are you going to see cronenberg's new film i want to so bad especially since okay here's the thing where i'm like is this for real or is this just something they keep recycling. What I had heard is it premiered at Cannes or whatever, whatever film festival, and people walked out. They were so grossed out. They were throwing up outside the theater because of stuff in this movie. They've said that about every fucking movie David Cronenberg has ever released. So, like, is this just something the press keeps recycling as, like, an urban legend about his, like, body horror? Or are people actually still that shocked? Because what I've been reading is if you've ever seen a Cronenberg, movie you'll be like okay this is a Cronenberg movie you like you'll probably enjoy it but it's not gonna shock you because you've already seen what he can do with body horror so yeah I don't know I saw people making fun of like if any of you walked out or threw up clearly those are people that have never seen a Cronenberg movie before so interesting (laughs) yeah now he's someone who while I feel like his body of work has altered over time it's not like Brian De Palma and the fact that like he had these few little i don't know i feel like he even though he's taken long breaks like he has sort of maintained a little bit more consistency in like that style that he's known for yeah i I think so yes because i would argue as much as it seemed like a weird career trajectory that uh most of his work fell so firmly within horror and if not horror thrillers uh for a long time and then all of a sudden he does like a history of violence uh, which could nominally be called a gangster movie or yeah, Eastern no, Promises. Right. Yeah, which could also no. be called a gangster movie, but they don't feel like gangster movies. Like they're not operating in that like crime drama, you know, like it's it, it, it's talking about other things using those kind of tropes, I guess. But there's like still body horror, I would argue, in those movies because there's moments of like violence against the human body <laughs> that are, so shocking that they still feel like Cronenberg. So you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I can see, I see more consistency with him than I do De Palma, who has like, ver- who has very much entrenched himself in different genres. Yeah, but I mean, as you're talking about his breadth of work, I do think that he also veered outside of what he's known for. And, and I haven't seen those like De Palma movies that you have. Like, I bet he still does some cool things with like really 
like the sequences that he's sort of known for, like these long sort of yeah, sweeping well, like things. I bet those are part of them, just like body horror is a part of De Palma. I mean, of uh, Cronenberg's, Cronenberg's works. And yeah, stuff. yeah, like no matter what genre he's in, he finds some sort of horrific thing to do to the human body, it seems, uh, constantly. So I know that's an obsession of his that he's talked about in interviews was just something that's fascinated him, the way the body falls apart. He's obsessed with death. <laughs> destruction so death and D D. yeah well jeremy looking back on our episodes we have to go back to episode 77 was the last time we had a full-on traditional episode oh my god crazy yeah and so and, and at that point i went first so if you're all listening for the first time you know what we do things differently all the time but the the, the core of how this show started was mm-hmm. that we would give the other person a movie that they'd not seen before. We have this illustrious list. I don't know what the word is to describe it, but that's what yep. I'm going to use. We have the this legendary list, where, list where we drop in titles that we know the other person hasn't seen, and we refer to that occasionally. But sometimes just if a movie's older, Jeremy knows I haven't seen it. If it's newer, I know he hasn't seen it. Mm-hmm. So, um, Jeremy, what are you going to share with me uh, this week? Uh, this week, and I don't know why I was looking at the list and this one's been on there for a minute and it popped in my mind recently. And I was like, you know, I like this movie a lot. It's an important one from my past. Uh, so I, I figured I would give it to you this time around. And that is the witches. Oh, the witches. That's not how you say it. I'm sure in French, but (laughs) the witches, (laughs) it's, it's the witches, the original from, 1990, I want to say something like that. Early 90s. Well, I know there's a coven of witches. I know that there's like a boy who gets turned into a mouse. I know that Angelica Houston's in it. And I know it's based on Roald Dahl. So I don't know if this was planned or if you were like, oh, we're talking about Roald Dahl. That's where I'm going to go. Yep. It's just a weird coincidence. (laughs) Uh, And I, I, you know, I know it's like made for kids, so it's not full on horror, but I think that it, it will be fun. And have like a little sense of of play to it. I don't mm-hmm. know who directed it, so I don't know if it's Christopher Columbus. I don't know. Again, we've talked about him, so I, that's where my Robert Zemeckis. I'm not sure. Someone, one you'll of those be, people. You'll be pleasantly surprised, I okay. think, by who made this. Uh, and uh, yeah, John I'm Carpenter. John Carpenter. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm excited for this because this was like the scariest movie ever to me as a kid. So. Uh, Yeah, and I think he goes to, like, stay with his grandma or something, and somehow, like, I feel like they're at, like, a hotel or an apartment building or something, and he finds out about this coven and gets a little too close, gets turned into a mouse, and he exposes Mm -hmm. them, and they're sort of pretty or whatever, and then, like, their faces come off, and I know that Angelica Houston has, like, a big nose, and that she sort of looks like a giant puppet. Yeah. It's going to be cool. I I like witch horror. There's not enough great witch. Not enough great witch horror movies, so. Yeah. I'm excited to spread the gospel. And you haven't seen The Love Witch, am I correct? I have not seen The Love Witch. I've heard good things about it. Yeah, though. me either. We should definitely watch it because I've heard stylistically it's just amazing. What I've yes. seen of it yeah, is I heard really it's cool. a really stylish and cool uh, flick. Yeah. Well, thank you. I'm excited to watch it. And I don't know why I didn't watch it as a kid because I think it was sort of in that prime spot where I would have watched it. I think I was more into like full on horror at that point as opposed to yeah. kids horror. Yeah, exactly. I was going to say, I think it's possibly a generational thing because I think you're just enough older than me that when it came out, you were probably looking for older stuff, you know, stuff for grown people. And I was a small (laughs) boy when this came out. So it was 
primed right at me and scared the shit out of me. <laughs> yeah. Well, I am going to give you because I find one of the people in it extremely hot. And so that's my excuse um, <laughs> because it's Pride Month. So it's all about the hot guys. But I'm giving you Hunter Hunter. Hunter Hunter. I don't even know what this is. Um, yeah, I know nothing about this. Hunter Hunter. I bet you it's about hunters. And they're <laughs> trying to catch some... Some something and something's hunting them. <laughs> Who's the real hunter? That's what it's about. And it's got a hot guy in it. So I'm excited. <laughs> well, cool. Well, I, you nailed it. You don't even need to watch it. You already okay, got to cool. figure it out. Hunter, hunter. I, yes. It sounds well, familiar, but I don't yeah. know. We'll find out. Yep. You sure will. Cool. All right. Well, let's watch them and we'll come back and talk about them. Hey, listeners, don't go anywhere. Sid, don't you blame the movies. Movies don't create psychos. Movies make psychos more creative. Now is the time where we talk about the movies. Yes, thank you for sharing your scare with me, Jeremy. Your childhood scare. Like, this was. This, seriously. The witches. Oh, God. It's so weird to me, because I was 11 when this came out. Like, why on earth didn't I watch it? Like, right up my alley. That's like, I mean, I I guess I know we, I think we mentioned this in the first part. Like, like I must have been more into, like, Freddy Krueger and Pet Cemetery, and thought this is for kids, so I didn't watch it. Mm -hmm. But what did we watch? And give me a description. Anyway, so that's right, guys. We're talking about The Witches, the original from 1990. Uh, the tagline on Letterboxd is Saving the world from witches is a tall order for a boy they've turned into a mouse. So, like, <laughs> spoilers, I guess, in the tagline there, guys. Uh, and the description is a young boy named Luke and his grandmother go on vacation only to discover their hotel is hosting an international witch convention where the Grand High Witch is unveiling her master plan to turn all children into mice. Will Luke fall victim to the witch's plot before he can stop them? Yes and no. Yes and no. Correct. <laughs> Spoilers abound. It is... Such a fun little movie. I got to say, I was most excited by Jane Horrocks and Brenda Blethyn being in there. And of course, Rowan Atkinson. He's always so funny. Mm -hmm. But like, there's all these British royal, all these British royalty members in there, mm -hmm. which I just loved so much. Now, when is the last time you watched this film? Now, I watched this movie probably a couple years ago for the, okay. the last time. Uh, and I don't know. My. My history, though, is when this first came out, I saw it as a kid and was like utterly terrified of it. Like my mom will still tease me about how scared I was of this movie. I could not watch it. I was like uh, uh, hysterical. Um, specifically, it was the scene uh, at the convention when the Angelica Houston takes her face off. Oh, yeah. And she's like a horrible monster that and then turning the kids into mice like that was all just horrifying. I couldn't do it. Then I got a little older and I started renting it like from the video store where I'm like, I need to check this movie out again and was like in love with it after that. So it's always been like a favorite cult classic, if you will, favorite of mine for years. And I can't now. believe it is over 30 years old. That is also fucking mm -hmm. crazy. 
And those Jim Henson effects. So good. Like, there's not, I mean, I was going to say there's no CGI. There's, like, when they do, like, spells and, like, the beams come out of their hand. I don't know if that's considered CGI or animation. I think it would be, like, early CGI or, like, the beginnings of that. I think that's that's how you would do that. The majority and the extent of it, everything else is practical and done so well. Like that scene where she's like in her hotel room and like there's like the knock at the door and she's holding up like her fake face Mm -hmm. and then she like puts it on is just like so, so well done. Yeah. Um, The mice too. Like I kept tripping up, like really trying to pay attention to the, the mice are done with sometimes real mice, sometimes Jim Henson you know, puppetry. And then sometimes they were stop animation, like really, and Mm. all of it kind of seamlessly bled together, but trying to like pick it out where I'm like, Oh, that was a real mouse just for a second. And then the next scene was like a quick little stop animation mouse doing some, you know, task where it's like, okay, but they, they blended it all so well. It, it, it really works. Yeah. Towards the end, like the big climax at like the banquet or the like dining area, there was a scene or like someone ran past like a tablecloth and like the tablecloth was on the table and there were like a couple mice like hanging off the side and they weren't just static. Like they were like moving. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I'm I'm impressed. Yeah. Very (laughs) impressive. Yeah. I mean, that's what happens when you get the Jim Henson, you know, creature shop involved. They are just top notch. Yeah. And I'm, I really do want to see the remake. I'm just so curious how it is. It cannot be good. I also yeah. like in my mind and probably cause I was a kid when this came out, like I thought Angelica Houston was like this old lady in it. Like uh-huh. I knew she was like pretty, but like, I thought she was old and now watching it. I'm like, cause that, when Anne Hathaway was announced, I'm like, Anne Hathaway seems like too young, uh-huh. but like watching this, I'm like, Oh, she may be even older than Angelica Houston. was. At the yes. time. <laughs> yeah. And Angelica Houston, man, like, I feel like she is an unsung horror villain in this movie. Like the character she pulls off is just awesome. And I would venture to say that even creepier than like her unearthed self like mm-hmm. her like unmasked self is like all of like the bald witches with like their scabby heads. I thought that was disgusting. Oh, yeah. Like yeah, so they, gross. They are nasty. Um one of one of them in there was uh uh, uh Michael Palin was in there from Monty Python. He was one of the witches. He's one of the witches? Yeah, he's one of the witches in the convention. <laughs> oh my god. Well, I was going to say I thought they were quite the diverse group of witches. Yes. I mean, there were definitely like a lot of white women, but like you could see people from like different countries and and races and stuff. Yep. So that even furthers it that there might have been a trans witch. <laughs> yes, indeed. Um and, and again, too, there's a just a little character moment in there, but Angelica Houston. <laughs> and I think to me as an adult this is the most unnerving part. It's the scene where Bruno, the boy that they first transform into a mouse comes in and they're like, here's your chocolate. But the whole time she's like gyrating in this really like <laughs> uncomfortable fashion. And I'm like, I don't know what's going on there. Apparently the grand high, Witch is just so fucking excited to turn this kid into a mouse. She can't even contain herself. But I'm like, what a unnerving character choice right there. Like it, it's just, it works. And I, it's also fun because I guess in my mind, 
like witches are like hungry for children like they seem scrumptious like mm-hmm. based on things like Hansel and Gretel where it's like I'm going to put you in the oven and eat you so mm-hmm. it's fun to have this sort of reversal of like children stink so bad and they like want to just like get rid of them yes yeah and I, I wonder what I mean I know it's fun and I know it's rolled doll but like is it supposed to parallel something is it supposed to be metaphorical at all and if so like i couldn't figure out what yeah that i don't know i do know that Raul doll hated this movie uh really because, yes and because, i haven't read the book but it seems like it must be so close to the source material but i don't know that it's very close except they changed the ending and that pissed him off oh like the happy ending that he like became a boy again did he stay a mouse he stays a mouse in the book i mean and- that he should have that would have been ideal yeah, but I'm like, it's a movie. It's a kid's movie. You got to tack on a happy ending. Sorry, Raul <laughs> Dahl, but you're really like morbid ending to your book, which was he stays a mouse and also mice only live a few years, so he's going to die soon anyway. So <laughs> that's like no. part of the ending. You're like, Jesus Christ, like why so nihilistic? But, you know, that was Raul Dahl. Yeah, it just felt like this has got to be close to his book. Like it just had such a sense of Other than that, it's incredibly close. It's the same exact plot. So yeah, and very dark. And I just loved that so much. Yeah, it it, for me too. Like every time I watch it, just the nostalgia comes back as well. Uh, The grandma in this movie, uh, so good, so good. But it reminds me a lot of my grandma uh, because she was. that's the part of my family that originally were from Sweden. My grandma's father was an immigrant from Sweden, uh, but he passed on all kinds of, you know, folklore uh, to her. So me as a kid, I was getting stories instead of witches. It was more like trolls and stuff like that. And the, the little people, you know, like elves and things like that. But she was like, yeah, they're everywhere. They're real. And they're all around and you got to, you know, if you're really clever, you can spot them and figure out where oh. they're hiding. So very similar. I, I like really vibe with that part of it, that sense of whimsy and stories passed on. And I loved the scene where the mouse got in like the chef's pants. Like I thought that was just so funny. <laughs> yep. It's just, it, yeah. There was some sort of punchline to, uh, there's nothing in there yeah he makes a dick joke and i was like oh my god (laughs) there's also the fact that rowan atkinson's character is hooking up with the one maid yes exactly like i was like this this all seems pretty blue for a kid's movie but whatever it just it does that thing that like movies that are good do which is like everyone has moments where you can flesh out their character a little bit no matter how small the role like there's just these little little touches that just like when the maid puts like the what she thinks is perfume like behind her ears and then she also puts it like in her bosom like yeah. it's like that extra little touch that just goes to show like oh she's she's a little kinky you know yeah, she she's wants, a little, when a little you're, cheeky when you're going down to motor motor yeah you know, she wants you to smell how pretty she but it just yeah. made her tits hairy so yeah now she's just part mouse <laughs> <laughs> but yeah um and it, in my letterboxd review too i had to say the, the the lead kid says grandma so many fucking times in oh this my God. movie. So here's my, like, I know I mentioned the people in this that I really liked, but uh-huh. I actually, the person I was most excited for and I didn't know he was in it was him because oh. he plays Kevin in the movie Parenthood, which is Steve Martin's like son with like severe anxiety. Okay. Although at the time, 
I don't think that was like quite a diagnosis. Mm-hmm. So like, but like, as soon as I think about that character, I'm like, oh, that poor kid with like severe anxiety disorder uh-huh. because he, oh my God, he just broke my heart. He's so good in that movie. When I saw him, I'm like, oh my God, I love that little kid. He's so cute. Yep. And then just this adorable, movie, so he's just cute. like, grandma, 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 <laughs> constantly. And I was like, trying to keep, I'm like, it's almost in every line he speaks to her. So, <laughs> and I kept thinking, and of course, this is like, you know, the, the brain in me that sees this sort of every, everything has to link back up. I kept thinking that the parents were going to have been killed, not necessarily by the witches, but because of the witches somehow. Oh, sure. Yeah. Like, I thought that was going to tie back in. But instead, it's just like, nope, sometimes parents just die. <laughs> yeah, sometimes parents, I know, right? Because y- you'd think, because apparently grandma is, like, known to the witches, too, as some kind of, like, witch hunter. So, like... You'd think like, oh, yeah, they tried to get her, you know, it was revenge and took out the parents. But nope, they just died. Now, are you a fan of Matilda? Yes. I love Matilda. That is mm-hmm. so fun. And you've seen those like memes and stuff. They're like, Matilda grew up to be Carrie. Yes. <laughs> yes. It's like they are very different. Yeah. Yeah. But I can see this. Uh, Matilda. Yeah, it's probably like one of the closer children's movies to something like this, I think, that came, you know, in the wake of a movie like this. And it reminds me, there's like the chubby boy in that that I think loves to eat chocolate. I'm pretty sure. Oh, maybe I'm thinking of like her brother in it, which is like her... Like, I can't, I don't think they're like her actual parents. Cousin, isn't it? I thought it was like her uncle that raised her in Matilda. Yeah, that might be right. Yeah. I just, when I think of that movie, I think of like a chubby boy eating chocolate, but maybe I'm getting all my dolls mixed together. You might be getting all those raw raw doll (laughs) stories mixed up, but. Sometimes the puppetry and the creature effects in this reminded me of some of the the puppetry in the Twilight Zone, the movie, mm, in the, yeah. the the segment with like the little kid who can make people do the cartoon. things. Yeah, and he Stuff like turns someone into like a creepy like rabbit and stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. I need to rewatch that movie. I always loved that as a kid. You want to see yeah. something really scary? Um, that yeah. just all, that opening segment always reminds me of my dad. Yeah, freaky. I mean, it's so good. That monster is so creepy. And uh, director, because you were trying to guess who directed this, and I said he would be a fun reveal, and it was Nicholas Rogue, who directed Don't Look Now. Yeah, that's crazy. Which we love. Which knowing that, uh, you can see a similar, like I feel cinematography-wise, if you put these movies next to each other, they look very similar. Like the the feel and vibe of don't look now is very similar to the atmosphere of the witches. Okay. Yeah. I need to rewatch that. It's been a hot, like I've seen that end a million times on my, you know, countdown compilation yeah. things on YouTube. It's, it's always all on over the greatest the endings, greatest horror movie moments. It's the always biggest in surprises. There. Yeah. And it like watching it, it's just so, like it, it must have at the time, like now it seems kind of silly. It yeah. still is creepy, but like just the way it goes, like, it it isn't like the reveal and like an attack. It's like very slow, like coming at him. <laughs> <laughs> but he's dead. Yeah. Uh, and that like the first time I ever saw that too, that was one of the great, I think one of the biggest, what the fuck moments I ever had watching a movie I at bet. that time. So yeah, yeah, I can remember that just being like, what, what? <laughs> and then it was over and you're like, what is happening? Yeah. I I'm ripe for a rewatch there. Yeah. Check, check it out. 
Yeah, but the the witches is so good. I can only imagine that the remake is just rife with CGI. I bet there's nary a practical f- effect in Probably there. Probably all cartoon. Yeah, and I don't remember anyone saying anything positive about it. Quite honestly, I know, and I, I, you know, I wanted to be excited for it because it was it's a cool sounding concept for the remake where they transplanted it into like the American Deep South, if I recall. Oh, totally, you know, change a bunch of stuff up, but. You know, but yeah, if you're not going to do practical effects, then just yep. GTFO. Okay, that's right. I love my practicals. Yeah, it's super fun, and Angelica Houston is just really everyone in it is delightful. Yeah, everybody's good, but again, I'm I'm pushing for horror community. We need to reevaluate, get the Grand High Witch in there as like one of the all time great villains because it's just an awesome, creepy character. Yes, but put up next to Hocus Pocus, which I imagine came out similarly yeah, around the same few time. few years later. Oh, yeah. Because like I've seen that movie a couple times, and both times it's a little bit of a, a trek to get through. Uh-huh. I'm not one of those homos that like fucking goes crazy over Hocus Pocus. And this I would watch a hundred times before I'd watch that again. <laughs> mm. oh, there you go. Because I think you could compare them. Like, they're both kind of yeah. made for kids. Kid witch movies. Kid witch movies, yeah. And, um, yeah, this is much better. So come at me, bro. Yeah. yeah, at him, at him. Yeah, whatever, whatever. I like what I want. That's right. So, yeah, I guess out of, let's say, five vials of Formula 86, mm. how many do you give it? I'm going to give it a solid four vials. Whoa, me too. Solid you four. You too? Yeah, solid four. Right. Well, there is one big fat. Scare of approval. Yeah, bish. Got it. <laughs> yeah, witch. <laughs> yeah, you son of a witch. All right, now changing gears. But yes. children in peril. Once again, that is the connection. Mm-hmm. And next up is Hunter Hunter from 2020. So a good 30 years after The Witches. And the tagline is hunt or be hunted. And the description is a fur trapper leaves his wife and daughter behind to kill a rogue wolf in the remote wilderness. But they soon become increasingly worried when a severely injured man shows up to disrupt their peaceful existence. Okay, yeah, so... Funny enough, now every time I watch a movie with Devin Sawa in it, mm. I, ha- I have to point it out to my wife because she had previously revealed to me that her first celebrity crush was Devin Sawa back when he when he was in Casper. Oh my God, he's so hot. So as a child actor back then, because she was like, when he turned into a real boy at the end of Casper, it's actual Devin Sawa. She was, she was into him. And he was just on Hacks. We, my husband and I watched the second season of Hacks this week, which Mm. is brilliant. And he kept saying, there's your boyfriend. Oh, nope. Just kidding. Nope. There's your boy. Nope. Just kidding. And then finally when he showed up, he said, there's your boyfriend. And it was Devin Sawa. Because I, there is a Sawa-sans happening in the world. There really is. Like he... I mean, he never like stopped working because you go and look at the filmography. It's just um, he kind of retreated, if you will. Maybe not even retreat. Maybe it's totally his decision. Whatever. You can do what you want yeah. in the film world. Whatever, but, whatever. But, you know, right now he's in this like mid-budget horror movie world. Like that's where he I think he landed and he worked and he's great. Like every time so I good. see him, I'm always like, why am I not? 
uh, crazier for, you know, or talking more about Devin Sawa as a great actor because he's very good in these movies. And he's so hot. He's got, like, I never found him attractive back in, like, Final Destination days and things like that. Because, right, Final Destination, he's in that, in the first yeah. one. Final like, Destination. I never, like, I wasn't like, oh, my God, like, I wouldn't, like, kick him out of bed or anything. But, like, now... I would invite him to bet. Yeah, he turned into a daddy. <laughs> He's such a daddy. Oh, my God. And then you get Nick Stahl in there, too. And it's just like, mm-hmm. hello, put me in a sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Nick Stahl, though, man, he's uh, he's troubled from what I know. I mean, didn't he like, wasn't he like one of those troubled teens like Edward Furlong and stuff? Yeah, he was getting into a lot of trouble. I think he still does occasionally as an adult. Really? I might be wrong. Sorry, but. If you look at the, sorry, Nick Stahl, all apologies, but I've seen to remember from the gossip rags, he's still got some substance issues or something like that. I think that. No, I think he's still attractive. Land him in trouble every so often. Okay. Well, Nick Stahl, I hope you find your way. I hope he does. Because I find him good. I don't find him as hot as Devin Sawa, because I know that this podcast is all about who I find the hottest. So yeah, it's about hot boys. So talk to me a little bit about this movie. Like where, what did you, and again, spoilers, 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 spoilers. So, because it takes some twists and turns. Like, did you think it was one thing and then it was another? Did you always kind of know what it was going to be? Absolutely. I totally thought, so this started, you know, it's like, it's a slow burn. And for a lot of the movie, I was kind of like, this is not a bad movie. I just don't know what it's doing or where it's going yet. So I kind of felt like, you know, I'll probably end up with a more mediocre review by the end of it. But, um, but it's all in the destination. Cause yeah. I totally turned everything around in that last, like not even half hour. It's like the last 15 minutes of the movie, really. Mm-hmm. Like the very ending is where like, oh, here's the punchline and it sticks the landing and you're like, holy shit. Okay, I feel differently about this whole movie now. But uh, I really did enjoy the atmosphere, the remote location out in the wilderness. They're, you know, spoilers people. We'll probably be getting into spoiler territory. But, uh, you know, the wolf, the introduction of the wolf. And I thought it was going to go with some kind of supernatural, maybe even a werewolf angle. Like there was something up with this wolf, but no, that's a red herring. It's an entirely, like I was like, Oh, something else is going on when Devin Sawa stumbles across a bunch of bodies out in the woods of, you know, dead women. So you're like, uh Oh, something, something more nefarious is happening. And um, I don't know. By the time Nick Stahl showed up, it, it felt, Cause you're like, don't trust him. Just guy wounded in the woods by himself while there's some sort of deadly killer out there. Don't trust this guy. And then I was like, that's just simple, right? To just, you know, again, spoilers. It's just too simple for it to turn out that he's up to no good. I thought like the movie's cleverer than that, but no, it was, but it was to set up the ending. So. Yeah. And what, so Like, I can look at something analytical and I can be like, oh, I can see that this might be metaphorical for this. And I don't have this fully fleshed out. But, Mm -hmm. like, I find that this movie, like, it's definitely speaking on, like, going, like, living in a different sort of norm than what everyone else is living in Mm -hmm. and trusting each other on either side of that. Like, Mm -hmm. 
like w- whether you're on like the outside of the fringe or inside the the norm, I guess, are sort of like the two worlds and like sort of the two things and how they clash and how they work together or don't work together. Because when Devin Sawa finds those women, like why wouldn't he go to the police? Why wouldn't he? T- Obviously, he doesn't tell his wife because he doesn't want her to freak out. But it's like, why just choose to stay there and wait for whoever the killer is to come back? Like, obviously, he's trying to protect his family, but like in the same way, he's not protecting them. And I don't think that was like on, I don't think that was like purposeful on his part, but like, I'm like, go to the cops. Like if she would have found him, she would have gone to the cops. But she also makes like a statement about how when she met him, she chose to, to make this life, but Mm -hmm. with their daughter, she had no choice. This is what she came into. So she obviously used to live differently than they live now. And she sort of desires that normal home in a small town. Yeah. The luxuries of that. But like, even the cops are like, you're in the wrong, like they they don't work with her. Yeah. Yeah. Well, because they're like, one, you guys are squatters. You're not supposed to be on that land even. Um, So leave go elsewhere but yeah no i think uh, from a character standpoint devin sawa's character he doesn't go to the police because he is like an outsider from society i'm sure he would never go to the police for anything because he probably from what you gather from the character this is what they've done for trappers for who knows how long and they live in the wilderness they're frontier people or the remnants of frontiers people so they're not going to appeal to the law they're going to handle it themselves so that's why i think he stays out there to kill the guy and even her she seems like even though she does go to the police and when they're so standoffish you know it's very easy for her to just turn her back on them where it's like okay i guess we got to go back to just doing things ourselves so yeah and there's also something and i don't know fully what it is with that sort of like rich preppy couple or whatever with a nice house who mm-hmm. like keep killing bears and getting in trouble. Like, yeah. There's also something deeper there. Like just, in, and I think maybe what I was going for earlier is like conformity versus nature. Like yeah. that sort of like those two things. And there's a lot of that in this movie, which I like, I, I, I really appreciate and I can look at it and I don't fully like, I can't sit here and write a dissertation on it, but I can see that that's what's happening. And it's not like super heavy handed. It's just more like, fascinating to see people mm-hmm. living like this and knowing in real life that people do live like that and mm-hmm. then to like look at them in these situations one like just with like a wolf that's eating things and and that you want to go get help and then furthermore like of a serial killer who yeah. like obviously the like they know these women have gone missing and they haven't found him so yeah and the music sometimes reminded me of Ravenous. Just every once in a while, there was something in like a particular instrument or something that sort yeah, of brought that yeah, back. It had to me. kind of a weird score, like a dissonant, just uh, ambient score that I thought was kind of cool. It, for me, I was going to say it reminded me, I wanted to double check if it was the guy that had done Hereditary because uh, it had moments that mm. reminded me of the like droning noises from Hereditary. So, And um, that ending, can we just say that ending is so. A couple things. A, yeah. shout out to Tess if Tess is still listening this far in, but like we don't get into rape territory. <laughs> yeah. Like the sexual assault doesn't happen. And I think that Tess would be okay with that sort of. I think she's okay if it, like you, if it's gonna, but it's just, it doesn't happen. I think mm-hmm. like, you know, and Tess can like or dislike whatever she likes. Maybe she wouldn't want to watch us because of that. But like, I also really appreciate that we don't know what happened to the daughter. We just know 
it yeah. ain't good. Yeah, you just you're left to assume. Uh, and also the way it wraps up too, like straight up, it's the ending of the movie The Black Cat uh, from the 30s with Boris Karloff and Bella Lugosi. Okay. Um, which is like a tremendous scene, especially for like an old pre-code Hollywood horror movie like that. So they're 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 calling back to some classic stuff. Like it's virtually the same ending. Just you know, this is what much more graphic, of course. Where I was like, holy crap, I got to watch the Black Cat again now. And originally, the little girl was an eight-year-old boy, and I just wonder if the ending itself was still the same. Like I. Like, I don't think he only killed women, but it sort of felt like that in this movie. Like, mm-hmm. that's, I mean, he obviously killed Devin Sawa. So, like, yeah. it's not, but that was because he was like in the way. Yep. He was, he was made. He got found out. So he had to get rid of the, uh, the witness. But I think that it's more powerful with it being a daughter. Like, I just think that there, that makes it a little more potent in its yeah. messaging. It hit, it, it hit, yeah. It hits home some kind of, uh, uh, message about violence against women and their riff motif on that. Yeah. And furthermore, with like what it's saying, there's definitely like a, Hey, you weren't listening to me when I was telling you about this wolf to like the cops. So like, why would I have gone to with anything else? And mm-hmm. I had to take things into my own hand and here's what you get. Here's and I love what you that get. she just like walks past that, that female cop. And I, I like that they don't shoot her. Cause I would have thought yeah, like that's definitely the th- a thought that crossed my mind the first time is when they saw it and they would have were gonna shoot her or whatever. But I just love how it ends. Yeah, that she's just like so broken and just like pushed to her limit. And I that song that plays is so perfect and like the yep. headphones. Yeah, and then yeah, and then it just ends and you're like, holy crap, where they cram in like like I said the movie The Black Cat, but also like some Texas Chainsaw vibes in there. And then <laughs> totally, it's yeah, yeah, yeah. In like a total like remix of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. And then it's over. And you're like, holy crap. Did not think this kind of movie, the way the movie is going along for like an hour plus, you do not think that ending is coming. And then it, then it comes. Now, when Nick Stahl's introduced, did you at all think, oh, he's a werewolf? Or were you like, oh no, he's a human? No, uh, no, I, I, I was over that. By the time he okay. got introduced, I was like, nah, there's not going to be any supernatural element in this. Cause they would have introduced something uh, more uh, than just a, weird wolf at this point so i i got past that idea but i was like he's up to no good clearly <laughs> i mean he's next stall okay he's, he's, stall. He's, he's troubled he is troubled i mean he wasn't he the he was the yellow bastard in sin city so oh oh i think maybe i'm now wrong there's more than one of those <laughs> are there two uh, yes yeah okay i was right yes he was in sin city and there are two of them Correct. Is the second one any good? I liked the second one. Like I loved the first Sin City. Like it was tailor made for me because I re- I read the Frank Miller comics. You know, was all for it, and they did a good job. Uh, and then they did this the second movie, and I remember everybody hated it. It's not as good as the first. I thought it was entertaining though. If you liked the first movie, you'd probably dig the second. But okay, what do I know? Because apparently critics and everybody else hated it. So I was like, mm, okay. You know a lot, Jeremy. I try. 
Well, do you have anything else to say? About Hunter Hunter. It sounds like the beginning of a nursery rhyme, like Hunter Hunter, burning bright or something like that. Like, But uh, no, I don't have anything else to add. So out of five bloody Walkmen. I give it a three and a half. That is precisely what I give it. Get out of my head. <laughs> you get out of mine. No. Yes. I won't. I won't. Well, regardless, one more. Scare of approval. Mew, 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 mew. Scare of approval. Mew, 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 Well, cool. Well, that's good. We love a double-fisted SOA. Yeah, it's always good when we can give you guys two movies that we think are pretty say, solid. I went back and listened to the Nick the Knife episode recently, and uh-huh. it's so weird because we don't have a scare of approvals in there yet. Yeah, so and we had, okay, so we, gotta, we gotta have Nick on again yes. uh, in the future so that he can bask in the glory of the music he's made for us. It was so fun to listen to it, though. He was, yeah. he's just, yeah, kill. Yeah, he's such a, he was, he was a good guest. Yes, all of our guests <laughs> have been good guests. Yeah, we love our guests. We love <laughs> our friends of the podcast and we love our listeners. We even love if you our little maniacs. Even if you don't talk to us. Yes, we appreciate you. Just as long as you're listening. Thank you for that. And everybody, um, if you want to write to us, scaring is sharing at gmail.com. If you want some merch, go to mm-hmm. our link tree on our Instagram, which is scaring is sharing. And um, if you want to write us, rate us, smash that like button. Smash that like subscribe. button. Subscribe. Subscribe. Share right. it with your friends. Uh, Wear a t shirt and have people t-shirt. ask you what it is so they can find <laughs> out. And um, remember to hail Paymon. And as always, guys, evil dies tonight. And keep watching those scary movies and talking about them because scaring is sharing. Bye. Scaring is sharing. 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 This has been a production of Planet Amp Podcast powered by Pinecast.